0: Artemis endeavors to get more women and girls in the field and on the water to support women as leaders in the conservation movement to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Everyone. Welcome to the Artemis podcast. I am your host, Marcia Brownlee, and we are joined today by a brand new co host, Artemis leader Sarah Topp from Michigan. Um, you'll remember Sarah from our July 2020 podcast when she joined us to talk about bird dogs. Um, and I do expect an update, <laughs> Sarah, uh, but we are very excited <laughs> to have you uh, as co host today. How's it going?
1: Thank you uh, for having me on, and it's going really well. It's. Uh... little bit warmer than i'd like as far as getting my bird dog out for fun adventures for her but that obviously allows for a lot more time on the water which i'm equally as excited about
0: nice um how is timber
1: she's doing great um it's like many states it's michigan's off season right now so any dogs have to be on leash even on public land. so a little bit more challenging to get her exercise other than running with me which Is nice. It motivates me to get out more and run. Um, But yeah, she's doing great. We've shifted gears to a lot more swim time now.
0: That's fun. And so you moved since we talked last, but you're still near water, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. I've relocated twice now.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness. I am still in the Upper
1: Peninsula. I just purchased a home in a tiny town called Wallace, Michigan, just 15 minutes from Marinette, Wisconsin, which is where I work. So I get the luxury of the recreation in the Michigan side, and still being close to commute to work. Um, But we are still close to all the rivers, uh, 20 minutes from Green Bay, so plenty of places to explore and play.
0: Fantastic. Um, All right, let's uh, introduce our guest today, Caitlin Barnhart. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? Hi. Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. So excited you're here and can't wait to talk to you about the Mayfly Project and about who you are um, and your background as an angler. But before we dive into that, um, where are you?
2: I'm in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, so about an hour from Canada. Up okay,
0: north. and not mm-hmm. super far from me in Missoula, Montana.
2: Yeah, yes. I, we go to Missoula quite often in the summer, definitely not in the winter. It's so many passes between us,
0: but yes, yeah. I love going there. Do you have a, a favorite river that you like to fish? And I won't get more specific than that, but do you have a favorite <laughs> river you like to fish?
2: Oh, well, I'm pretty spoiled in North Idaho, but I definitely spend a lot of time on the North Fork of the Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. um, just in the winter and in the summer, spring. It's just my favorite go to place. It's just there's national forests, so you can really get lost up there. So I love that.
0: Yeah, speaking of national forests, so that makes me think of something that Sarah said that surprised me um, in your introduction, that you have to have timber on a leash in the off-season, even on public lands.
1: Yeah, because it's um, the nesting season for Uh, birds that have ground nests, so even on public lands, they've got to be on a leash, unless you're in a designated field trial area, they can be off-leash in that area only, and there's not too many of those areas. Got it. Um, But... Four months seems very, very long when I have to keep her on a leash. Oh, and if you're oh like,
0: I mean, yeah. <laughs> my My dog was certainly not leash trained um, since she was a, a Colorado, Montana dog. And I can't imagine. I would go crazy. Neither one of us had much fun when she was on a leash.
2: I would go crazy too. I've got
0: a I've got a yellow lab and she's terrible
2: on a leash. So she's an awesome fishing dog though. Like she'll stay right next to me the whole time, but I cannot keep her on a leash. So yeah, I don't envy that at all. Yeah. Good luck, Timber.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's, she's gotten better. Like I said I've been running with her every day and she actually is doing really well with healing for the most part. We even encountered a bunny this morning and she did not drag me to chase it. So I was very happy with that.
0: Good girl. Are you still rollerblading yes. with her?
1: <laughs> I have not done that since I was in Albuquerque. If I had a paved pathway, so the trail system there, the paved pathway goes underneath any road crossing. So you, you literally uh-huh. never have to stop for a road crossing. That's so I felt nice. super safe. Um, here it's not really like that. And the roads are very, very potholey and bumpy. So the rollerblades have been tucked away since then.
0: Can you remind um, our listeners and and tell Caitlin that story? Because it's one of my favorites. (laughs) I just
1: think we can never hear (laughs) it too much. (laughs) So since that pathway was set up that way, I was like, you know, it would be really fun to try having Timber pull me on rollerblades on this and really cover some distance. Um, I have her run with me consistently, but four to six miles even, she's just not tired out. I cannot run fast enough to tire her out. So I picked up a pair of rollerblades and (laughs) she pulled me. Six miles in less than 24 minutes, so we were going top <laughs> speeds of 18 miles an hour on
2: this pathway. Oh, wow.
1: It was so much fun. I really loved it. I mean, we were along the Rio Grande River, so there was like ducks on the side of the trail and rabbits. And of course, I was like, "There's all these what ifs." Of she could just drag me into the river, chase a duck, <laughs> or something. And I did have one fall. She wanted to chase a rabbit on one of the streets, um, but it wasn't terrible. And overall, it was super fun great way to get her exercise but now anytime I take her running I'm like this is never going to be anywhere near fast enough or enough exercise for her now that I know what she's capable of
0: And she's, <laughs> she's always going in the back of her mind Do you remember that time
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah why can't I just run this
0: fast again right. where are your wheels yeah no that just <laughs> sounds terrifying to me to be going that fast I don't care for speed but <laughs>
1: I am definitely an adrenaline junkie, so it it was terrifying but I find that fun.
0: Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Thank you for indulging us in that story. Um, Oh, you're welcome. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about who you are.
2: Yeah, so um, I have a background in mental health, so I've been working with like foster kids and troubled teens for the last, wow, 20 years, Um, (laughs) but I grew up in Northern California and Northern Idaho and went to college at PLU in Tacoma, Um, and yeah, long story short, I have three kids, so I love being a mom, and my husband's awesome too. We um, just got done building our house, so we're pretty stoked to be kind of settled in North Idaho. Idaho and um we fish a lot obviously a lot of fly fishing we love to like just go exploring being outside and um you know, giving back to our community is pretty important to our family, too. So we spend a lot of time, you know, working with foster kids and, um, you know, just trying to be good neighbors. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, I I am very blessed to live where I live. And the Mayfly Project has just been an amazing uh, experience for me, too. So I know we'll jump into that. But um, yeah, that's a little about where I'm at and about my kids and that kind of stuff. What's your background as an angler?
0: When did you get Um, started?
2: Well, I actually worked for the forest service all through college, like doing stream restoration and, um, working on like bull trout populations in North Idaho. And so I did not fly fish then, which is crazy. Cause I, now I'm trying to remember like those rivers that I was at before, you know, I'm like, where was that? Um, but <laughs> after, after college, I went and worked at a sport fishing lodge in Alaska, just like cleaning rooms and serving. And, um, that's when I really like learned about fly fishing and, uh, I'd always love like being out on the water and like fishing with my grandma growing up but um I started fly fishing in Alaska that summer which was just like a crazy experience because we got to fly out like where all the guests would go like we got to fly and fish these amazing like rivers and Mm. um and it was so easy to catch stuff you know on a fly rod when you're in Alaska so then I came back to Idaho and I was like, Oh, I guess I'm not as awesome as I thought I was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's been a long period of, so it's been about 16 years of just figuring it out here and meeting people here. And, um, so yeah, so I'd say about 16 years I've been, uh, fly fishing.
0: It's fantastic. Um, and what is the Mayfly Project?
2: Yeah, so Mayfly Project, we're a national nonprofit. We mentor children in foster care with the sport of fly fishing. Um, So basically we have projects across the country and every project is set up to have five outings with these kids. Um, So our goal is to, you know, meet these foster kids where they're at provide a one-to-one mentor ratio so every kid has their own mentor and to really introduce them to not only the sport of fly fishing, but to really build a connection with the outdoors for them. Um, We just have found, you know, it's, it's such an important, Uh, sport I believe for foster kids specifically because they don't get to do a lot of sports like they're moved around so often in foster care um, and there's not a lot of time for them to be introduced to the outdoors really either unless somebody actually takes the time for them so um, long story short yeah we'll do at least five mentoring sessions with the kids so they'll learn all everything about fly fishing they'll get to experience different places in their community um and then we also have they learned about conservation throughout the project and so yeah that's basically like a, a project is a bunch of different pieces all together um where we work with the kids and and uh yeah get them out on the rivers and exploring public lands and all that good stuff
0: it's so fantastic uh it's it's as an educator, because uh, I was an educator for the first 15 years of my adult career and and an early childhood educator at that. And so the idea of um, giving these experiences and uh, facilitating that connection is, mm-hmm. it, is just something that I absolutely love.
2: Um it's so so fun just seeing these kids light up and yeah i'm sure as an educator you know like just it's such a privilege to like be the person that gets to introduce them to these places you know because they're so special to us so it's like oh look i get to take you to my favorite place and you know it is it's such an honor to to be able to fill the gap that way for these kids as you understand you know Mm
0: -hmm. uh so i'm going to ask some logistical questions uh just because i want to make sure people get the information that they need um, if they're interested in getting involved sooner rather than later. So tell us about the the mentor structure, um, what that looks like, how many you have, how people can volunteer.
2: Yeah, awesome. So we have about 900 mentors now. Um, we're five years old and we've just been growing like crazy, but we're, we're slowing it down. Like we try to only build six projects a year. Um, So for every project, like I said, we like to have a one-to-one mentor ratio, but we do everything in a group. So um, all of our mentors, there's an application process. Um, We interview all of our mentors, do reference checks and background checks. And then they're added to the team and we we've worked really hard with caseworkers and, you know, psychologists to just make sure we have a strong, um, you know, curriculum and a handbook to make sure that our mentors all feel prepared and able to work with this population. So we do have some trauma informed care videos, that kind of stuff um it's super fun though I think like Jess and I he's my the founder of the Mayfly project too like we didn't realize the communities we'd be building with the Mayfly project like a lot of our mentors they come into the project not even knowing like the others existed in the community and then all of a sudden we have like a little we call it a fly fishing family um so it's been a great way for I think mentors to like meet each other and they end up becoming friends too um so that's been really cool to see and Yeah. So if anyone wants to participate on our website, we have a whole list of projects. Some of our new projects for next year aren't up yet, um, but you can just submit an application on there or you can also send me an email if you have any questions about being a mentor or any questions about that. Um, Yes. But yeah, we've met some, just the most amazing people last five years that have, you know, become our mentors and really care about like giving back to these kids. And it's just been really cool to just meet so many amazing people.
0: Can you take us back to the origins of the Mayfly project? Like what inspired you and Jess to start it and and how did that, how did you go about getting it up and running?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Jess and I actually did not know each other. He had started the Mayfly Project in his community in Little Rock, Arkansas, because they, him and his wife were at church one day and they just thought like, how can we give back to foster kids? And, um, Jess was already a fly fishing guide. And so they, they just started working with local kids there. Um, and that was their plan was to stay local. And, uh, I, in North Idaho, I had been taking kids in foster care fly fishing for about 10 years at that time. Um, just off and on throughout my career, you know, it's just fly fishing was so important to me. So I just started taking kids when I could and felt like it was so good for them. Um, and so Jess had Andrea Larko actually do the logo and Andrea Larco posted it on Facebook and I, I was drawn to it. And I was like, what is this beautiful logo? And Andrea messaged me and she's like, oh, it's some guy in Arkansas that's taking foster kids fly fishing. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> I was like, I need to talk to this guy right now. And so, and so, um, we, Jess and I were on the on, like by the end of the day, and we were just so excited. I was like, "This is what I've been doing," and he's like, "This is what we're doing," and um, it was just pretty cool because Jess has a background in like accounting and business management, and I have a background in mental health, working with foster kids and program development. It's a match like,
0: made in so. heaven. <laughs> yeah,
2: and his wife Laura, <laughs> she's amazing. She's a lawyer, and so like Even we just better. had <laughs> we had so many you know, hours and hours on the phone. And we were like, is this something we could even possibly do? And it was something I'd always dreamed of, you know, having an actual program for these kids. Um, and so it was just kind of amazing just as a very, like, let's just do it kind of a guy. Like, you know, we're both dreamers and we both, it was just amazing. Like it just, it took us, I think about a year to really get our solid structure. Um, but within the, the first year, we had two projects, and then the second year, we ended up with four projects. And now this is our fifth year, and we have 53 projects. <laughs> so awesome. it's kind of, yeah, so it's been amazing. I think just working with Jess like we work every day long distance we try to see each other at least a few times a year but um you definitely have takes a specific kind of person and a relationship to work that far from each other but he's like my brother and my best friend like we he he really is an amazing human too so yeah it's been a wild ride
0: very cool um <laughs> Sarah any questions you want to jump in here with
1: yeah i am extremely curious about your conservation initiative and Marsha I'm sorry if that steals one of your later questions on the agenda but in snooping on the website I found that you do have like a specific dedication to conservation there how Mm -hmm. do you go about implementing that in your sessions with the kids that you take out
2: Mm-hmm. yeah so this year specifically we've throughout 2020 we've been really trying to improve our conservation initiative so this year we required all of our projects to have a conservation mentor so that mentor has gone through some training with us and their goal at every outing is to really draw attention to conservation and provide like a short educational moment about um, one of our topics like catch and release protecting its invasive species you know cleaning clean rivers picking up garbage um, so we really try to make sure like our kids, first of all, like catch and release is super important to us. We want to make sure like, cause a lot of these kids, if they fished at all, they're used to just like grabbing them of the gills and knocking them on a, with a rock. <laughs> so we try really hard to teach that first. Like we're going to take care of these fish. Like we use barbless hooks. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that they survive after we catch them. And um, so that's, that's kind of our initial Thing we teach and then um we have an invasive species game that we play with the kids so they can learn to identify aquatic invasive species and learn to you know wash their boots and waders after we fish and talk about like just the different watersheds and making sure that we're you know cleaning off on of any of our equipment um, that kind of stuff. And then just picking up garbage, um, which is really funny because sometimes a lot of our foster kids are like not used to picking up garbage, somebody else's garbage. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny. Sometimes they're like, wait, we're going to pick up other people's garbage. And we're like, yeah. (laughs) So it is, it's super important to Jess and I to to teach this stuff because we really feel like these kids, um, once they have so much fun in the outdoors and they really realize like, this is a place that they can go to connect and, you know, get a mental health break. Like it really does become a place that they want to take care of as well. So we try to teach that early on, like, we're going to have a blast here. Like we're going to enjoy this, but we're going to take care of it. So then later you can come back and enjoy it later too. And, um, which the kids are very receptive to, um, It seems so far. But yeah, we're always trying to grow and and learn. We do have um, a a scientist, environmental scientist that helps us out too. And we're always trying to improve on our conservation initiative as well. And this year, I'll also say like Loon Outdoors um, donated a bunch of their um, products for us, which are environmental friendly too. So we're using those with the kids as well and trying to teach that as well. That's fantastic.
0: What age kids do you work with?
2: Um, we try to work with kids ages eight to 18. So we found eight is kind of a good number. Um, just cause kids are finally starting to get some of those motor skills down and, um, they, it seems to be something they're going to continue with if they're over the age of eight, but we definitely have worked with kids younger than that, like siblings that come along and, um, they have a blast. Like it's, we try to just meet every kid at their level, you know? So even if we're fishing for a little bit and then we decide we need to go throw some rocks or find mm-hmm. some bugs or, you know, just mm-hmm. keeping it fluid. Um Yeah, that's are usually you, the ages though.
0: Are you able uh like how how long um are kids typically able to be a part of the program? Like can they stay with you for from eight to eighteen if, if their situation allows for that? Mm-hmm
2: yeah we have some kids that have been with us about 5 years yes. uh it just yeah some of the group homes that we work with there's kids that are going to be there until they age out so we always encourage them to come back and uh, at the end of the project, we give kids all their own gear they get to keep. So they get their own fly rod pack, like everything they're going to need to continue fly fishing. And so for the kids that have already received that the following year, you know, then the next year we'll try to like one up it. So we'll get them like waders or um, this year we're actually giving a kid a kayak because he's been in the program for like five years. <laughs> so, Sweet. Um so yeah, yeah, so he's he's in a group home. They have like a little pond like at the, his group home place, so he's going to be really stoked to That's be able awesome. to fly fish from his kayak. But oh my god. Yeah, That's so incredible. yeah, we definitely encourage kids to come back. It's it's a tough population sometimes for that consistency just cuz yeah. we really respect their confidentiality like we want to make sure we're not, you know, trying to find them and stuff, so we try mm-hmm. we we always have an open open-ended you know like come back and if you need any gear like reach out to us like we're always here to help you in your journey but um yeah kids move in and out of foster care so often so Mm -hmm. some kids come back some we don't really hear from again but um it's cool though to hear from some of our mentors they're like oh I was out fishing last weekend and I saw so-and-so on the river with his mom and we we love hearing those stories because we're like oh man
0: yay like it's working. Can you tell? I would love to hear. Oh gosh, I didn't even know how to phrase this question. Maybe it's a two-part question. First, um, talk. I would love to hear you talk a little bit, particularly from your your background um, in mental health. Like, how can fly fishing um, support uh, the life of a child in foster care? Yes, I love that question. Um, Yeah. So
2: with fly fishing, they're starting to find out, like. Some counselors and therapists and psychologists are starting to actually prescribe fly fishing for people with PTSD, Um, you know, especially like combat vets, like that kind of stuff, just because of the you know, the the way that you cast, it has to be like so graceful and thoughtful. It just kind of reaches another space in your brain, I guess, that helps you to calm down. Um, and so I love fly fishing for foster kids because it's an opportunity for them to actually take a break from foster care and to like take a break from worrying. So when I'm out fly fishing, um, that's why I use fly fishing as well because it's a, a, a space to actually like decompress. You can't really think about things while you're fly fishing because you have to always be like, watching your fly, figuring out what's going on around you, like making sure you have a good drift and, um, you know, watching for bugs in the air, that kind of stuff. So it's really good for these kids because they get to, you know, decompress. And there's also a lot of studies just about, um, as you guys probably know as educators and stuff, just time in nature, like how that does help kids too, as well, just kids in general with finding mental rest and all of that. So um, yeah, beyond those two things, like, Building self-confidence for these kids. Like that's one of my favorite things too about fly fishing, because a lot of these kids have not even like been outside of their city limits. Like even in Missoula, like the girls' home that we work with in Missoula, they have not been outside of like Missoula. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, do you guys even know where you live? Like you live, (laughs) amazing places. So um it helps them to, you know, learn about um the the places around them. But um the most important to me is also just like building self-confidence. So thinking about like those girls in Missoula when they learn to you know walk in a river or um, they get a good cast that like is awesome and they just it's just amazing to see them light up and just like feel so good about themselves and you know this world for these kids is so hard there's not a lot of opportunity for them to feel that um, and so being able to see that is just like it's the, my favorite thing is <laughs> seeing them get a good cast and and it's like, that felt right. Right. And they're like, yeah, I did it. And, um, so yeah. And we always say to like, nobody doesn't smile when they catch a fish, you know, it's, it's pretty hard not to. So, um, yeah. So I think there's so many pieces to fly fishing that are just so good for these kids. And, um, we are, we're always, we teach our mentors that too to just try to draw that connection for them. Like, you know, did you realize like when you were fly fishing, you weren't even like thinking about foster care or you weren't even like stressed out. And so it's kind of cool for the light bulb for them to go off and be like, Oh yeah, I wasn't worried. <laughs> so I could go on forever about this, as you can tell. So
0: <laughs> I could listen forever. <laughs> so that's, yeah. That's I'm great. loving this conversation. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so. I, I'm curious. I would love to hear more, uh, like what types of, um, uh, prompts is not the right word, but Uh, I'm going to use it here anyway. Prompts do you have for mentors to make similar connections like that, like throughout? What are there other things that you encourage them to do in support of the kids that they're with?
2: Yeah, well, we have a curriculum for the kids. And in that curriculum, we have a section that's all of it is like fly fishing related. But then we also have a section called characteristics of an angler. And so in that section, we really try to draw the connection between like being frustrated and like how working out when knots like usually if you'll slow down and like take those knots apart carefully um you'll get it get through it quicker than if you just angrily like you know go through it quickly and then you end up having to recut your line and so there's a lot of metaphors like in fly fishing so we have that in our curriculum too so we encourage our mentors to use that um with the kids as well and a lot of it is um you know finding mental rest um, I wish I had it in front of me because I'm forgetting all of it, but a lot of it is just, you know, encouraging the kids to like, um, you know, seek out wisdom from people that know more than you about stuff. Like some of it is, is about fly fishing, but it's not really about fly fishing. It's, it's tools that we're also trying to teach them for like later in life as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're trying as hard as we can to just, have an impact but we really let like fly fishing and the outdoors like do a lot of the work for us because we want our kids to have that connection with the outdoors versus like another connection with us um, Mm. which is sometimes messy for kids that have like attachment disorders and that kind of stuff like um, you know relationships with people can be really stressful and messy but um, when we can connect them to the outdoors like that can become like a person in their lives is kind of how we look at it. Um, like somewhere where
0: they can go and, you know, get that rest. Um, Yeah, so did that answer your question? (laughs) Yes, and that last part is amazing. Can you say more about that and how you encourage them to facilitate that connection to the natural world? Yeah, so
2: when our kids are, like, if we're fishing with them and they're obviously, like, not focused or they're really, they're starting to bring up, like, problems or stuff that they're worried about at home. Like we encourage all of our mentors to draw, um, everything back to fly fishing. So, uh, we really set that boundary up soon. And, you know, as soon as the relationship starts is like, yeah, I'm like, man, when I'm super stressed and worried about stuff, like I go fishing, like I take a moment and like, look at the rocks. I look for bugs. I, you know, these are all the things that I do when I'm stressed. And so, we try to encourage the kids to kind of turn that over too. So in a way it's telling the kids, like, we, we care about how you feel. Like we know you're going through a lot, but let's like set that aside and just take a moment to like decompress. And, um, it works really well. Like a lot of the kids, um, they'll, they'll test you at first. Like, you know, they'll try to get a rise out of you. Um, but then once they get into fishing and stuff, like it just naturally, everybody just naturally starts like calming down and having fun. Cause they get to, you know, be by the river and kind of turn into river kids. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's been surprising. Like when we started the Mayfly project, I was always so worried, like what's going to happen with all these kids and mentors that aren't fully like trained as mental health professionals and all of that. But, um, it's been pretty awesome to see, like how the, how fly fishing and outdoors just does its thing, you know, like it just, they just show up and the kids just automatically become like curious kids outdoors and the mentors are just there to kind of guide them and they don't need to have all the answers. They just need to be willing to hold space for these kids to like find the outdoors. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. It re- It's, re- it's reminding me of a conversation we had with Caitlin Sheehan who, um, is a social worker and um, takes groups into um, the backcountry on these trips for for healing and for conversation and for work, um, for personal work. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that she said is that she oftentimes will have, uh, and she works with a lot of veterans, so she'll have them pick up a rock and tell them to put, you know, all of their worries and all of their current concerns and all of their fears into the rock. And then at the end of the day, they put the rock on the uh, back on the ground or they're like the earth can, the earth can take it. Mm -hmm. The earth can carry that Mm. weight for you. Um, And so it sounds like a similar message um, that, that the mentors are passing on to those kids. Like you can, you can put all of that out here it it can take it it can hold it for you Mm -hmm. absolutely I love that yeah that's so true
2: and just like rivers too are super powerful for these kids just because like uh just thinking of like the river just kind of washing stuff downstream you know and um so we we can take it super deep or we cannot you know so Mm -hmm. some of our kids like that's too much like we won't even go there but some of them it's like let's just take a moment and notice like this river continues to flow like no matter what's you know there's so many awesome metaphors that we can use with with time and water and all that Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah I'll eat that stuff up I love all that so (laughs) I love the rock the rock idea too that's amazing
0: Mm-hmm. You, and are
1: these like conversations that you're having on the river like mentors individually with um, the kids that they're taking out or do you have like debrief session discussions set up after the fishing trips
2: yeah we do both like we we don't push our mentors to like bring up these things awkwardly, you know, but if we're always gonna struggle with knots or we're always gonna struggle with you know not catching fish, like those are opportunities for us to step in and really mm-hmm. like use those as learning tools. and um but then, yeah, with our curriculum, we do have sessions like after the project day we like we'll wrap up in a circle and just kind of go over stuff and um, one of our favorite things to do is like when we get there first like ask how everyone feels and usually it's like nervous you know scared tired all those things and then we'll circle up at the end and just be like now how's everybody feel and they're all like jazz like stoked and so we try to use those as like ways to move into talking more deeply about our curriculum you know, the characteristics of an angler and yes. that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we try not to make it all too heavy on them though. Cause we, we have like our conservation stuff and like our number one goal is for them to have as much fun as possible, you know? So, um, because we know like those memories are just so important for these kids to just have a blast and, and then it makes that something that they want to come back to you as well.
0: I've just realized I don't use the word jazzed nearly often enough. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start using it more just dated myself. it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> perfect. Um, can you share some stories, uh, of, of, of cool things that have happened in the mentor program? I imagine you hear from your mentors about some of their experiences all the time. Yes.
2: Yeah. We have so many cool stories. Um, one of my favorites is like from our second year, I think it was just our second year in Minnesota. Um, there was a kid that came into the project and he did not want to be there. Like he w- got off the bus and had his sweatshirt on, you know, hoodie down, like did not want to be there. And which is like, we do have kids like that sometimes and and they're, you know, we meet them where they're at. This kid, he got off, you know, was super frustrated to be there. Didn't want to be there. And so our mentor just kind of was like, Hey, you don't have to participate, but just like, you know, hang out with us. And so the kid just kind of walked around and then eventually our mentor got him to cast, you know, just, it was his choice though, obviously, or like, if you want to, you can, if you don't want to, you don't. And so long story short, like by the end of that session, this kid was like casting further than anybody. Like he all of a sudden realized like, this is something that he is really good at, you know? <laughs> and, like, um, and so, and our mentors are awesome. Cause they're usually like, man, like that's amazing. You know, they're really encouraging. And um, so by the end of that first session, he was casting like awesome. And then so the next outing, he shows up. He's the first person off of the bus. Like he is oh. ready. He is ready to fish, and um, and so throughout the whole project, like it was amazing. Like he he caught more fish than like everybody put together. Like this kid ended up just, he just was naturally like a good fisherman as well. And um, towards the end of the project, he asked if his dad could come to the last outing, which was, we asked the caseworker and they were like, that's fine, they have visits. And so he could not wait to like teach fly fishing to his dad because he was getting ready to transition back home with his family. Um, and so he brought his dad and like taught him all the skills, and uh, it was just really cool, like, for our mentors to see that, to see a kid that was so angry, and at the end, like, it became something that him and his dad continued to do after the project, and, you know, kind of became their thing, you know, to have a a, a bonding moment, I guess, and so those kind of stories, like, oh, I just love those stories. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so, Very
0: cool.
2: yeah, and I, I guess one other story, like, this was during the pandemic, Um, we really, like, we had to obviously, shut down most of our projects. Um, locally in Idaho, we didn't have, we didn't have very many cases up here, um, during the time and, uh, the local girls group home we work with, it's a group home for girls that are, have been through so many foster homes that they're not allowed to go back into foster care basically. So they're going to age out in this group home and, I talked to the director and I was like, how are you guys doing? Cause like trying to do school and, you know, I just, it's just so, it's just overwhelming for me even to think about what they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we ended up doing a project with them and just like three sessions at a local private pond. Um, The owner of Silverwood actually, he let us um, do our project there and it was just, it was really rewarding just because the girls were like so stressed out, you know, like they, they showed up like all fighting, like literally fighting, like they had to pull over on the way there to like separate two girls, (laughs) like they were fighting. Um, And then throughout the project day, like um, every girl caught fish, like every girl was smiling and like high-fiving. And um, the next day I got a call from the director and they were like all of our staff could not believe like it was the first time in history we've ever seen all the girls getting along and smiling at the same time (laughs) and I was like oh yeah well that's that's fly fishing for you that's Um, beautiful (laughs) yeah so yeah there's just it's foster kids are just they're such they're such cool kids like they're they're just tough. Like they're going through so much. And, um, I think that's as a social worker, like working with this population, like, I just realized that like, not a lot of people take time for these kids. And it's also so hard to get access to work with these kids. And so, um, I, that's what I love about the Mayfly project, not just fly fishing, but just that like, we're actually getting these kids like out, you know, we're actually like, And that means so much to them. Like just somebody taking time for them. It's so huge for these kids, like just to have somebody showing up for them and, um, yeah. So yeah, that's, there's so many stories though, and we're going to get better. We're, we're so busy. Like we're terrible at like keeping track of all of our stories. <laughs> so we're trying to, we're trying to get better at that, like with our blogs and that kind of stuff.
0: Well, it's the, yeah, it's the difference between doing the work and talking about the work. Um, and talking about the work is really important for like recruiting mentors and money, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but <yep. laughs> doing the work is the most important thing. So yeah, yeah. I think the right balls are being tossed to other places (laughs) (laughs) yes it's not an actual metaphor but i think it works still yes (laughs) um is there any other so i was going to transition us just a little bit but before we do is there anything else that you want uh people to know about the mayfly project and the work that you guys do um
2: just but um, yeah, we're we're building quickly. Like we have several projects and several communities. So even if you don't fly fish, or even if you're um, you know you don't fish at all, or you don't understand why fly fishing is important, um, just understanding like there's kids in your communities that definitely need folks to step up and. Um, you know, show up, and so even if it's you know, Mayfly Project or any other way, like you know, we so we so appreciate the support just for foster kids, and then um, you know, Mayfly Project it's it costs about $780 per kid to put them through the project, and so we're always looking for folks that want to sponsor a kid in their community to like go through the project and um, help us with gear and that kind of stuff. And you know, some of our mentors don't even fly fish, they're just there to like bring food or hand out water just give high fives so you don't have to be like a professional fly fisher person at all to to support these kids they just love seeing people there so
0: yeah cool. I think that's yeah that's cool that's good to know um that helps I think uh, helps alleviate some of the um people who are thinking right now I'd really love to be a mentor but I don't know enough about fly fishing <laughs> oh, <laughs> now yeah. they know that they can participate in other ways so absolutely you, yeah. very cool Um, Sarah, any last questions for Caitlin before we transition?
1: I do have a question. When you're picking and prioritizing these projects, is it based on like mentor interests in an area or are you actually connecting with the foster care areas in need and then creating the projects and recruiting the mentors from there?
2: Yeah, we've done both ways, but typically we have a we start a project with somebody else, like we call them lead mentors. They become our the leads of our projects. And so they'll reach out to us and they'll kind of bring to us like, this is what we have in our community, this is the foster care system, these are how many mentors I think I could get. This is the fishing access. Like we kind of ask all those important questions and we put a lot of our lead mentors through like a ton of interviews. And you know, we just want to make sure it's a good fit. And then Um, Once the lead mentor is, we've decided, yes, like this is the perfect place for a project. Then the lead mentor really takes it from there as far as like finding mentors. And then um, I work with them and um, some of our staff work with them to try and find uh, foster kids because sometimes that's like the hardest part, honestly, is getting plugged into the foster care system because it's such an overtaxed system. Um, So we try really hard to find like we work with CASA and, you know, other agencies that aren't necessarily like CPS, but they're assisting, you know, CPS and foster families. So um, some communities, we get calls from caseworkers and they're like, please like come take our kids. And so, you know, we'll do our, we'll work hard to build a project sometimes around those calls as well. But a lot of the times it's us like reaching out and trying to find the kids locally that need the Mayfly project. Um, but yeah, it's all been naturally. We've never actually started a project somewhere where we were like, we need to do this project here. It's always somebody awesome that's reached out to us and has wanted to start it. So we're actually having to turn down a lot of projects just because we're trying to slow everything down. So um, yeah, so this year we were only supposed to supposed to start six, but we're starting 16 um, this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a big after, difference. Yeah, After, well, after 2020, like throughout the pandemic and stuff, like, It was crazy, like people just all of a sudden realized like how important outdoors is I think or mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. wanted to give back and so we just had all these amazing people reaching out to us just saying like what can we do to like help kids like in some of the bigger cities too which I thought was really cool like you know what can we do to support our local kids and getting outdoors and stuff so there was a lot that we definitely couldn't say no to so we've been trying to do a lot of you know extra fundraising to kind of support these other projects um, so that's been yeah it's definitely worth it though it's been really cool to see kids getting out this summer and you know from projects that we almost said no to but um so yeah we, we're rolling with it but we're really trying to like stay with the starting the six just because we want to make sure we're doing it you know our projects are all super you know secure and everything is really like uniform and all that and so that we don't kill ourselves because it does take a lot yeah. of communication. and we interview all the mentors and so it does take a lot mm-hmm. to start a project it's is pretty it cool to-
0: is it just you and Jess uh, as staff?
2: No, we have um, Debbie Harrington out of Little Rock. She helps now with like interviews, and um, we have a few other like volunteers that help manage some of the the different parts of the project. And then um, we're currently hiring, we're interviewing to hire like more people right now. So cool. um, yeah, so we're at a co- kind of a cool spot now where we're starting to finally be able to hire. Um, but the last five years, it's mostly been Jess and I just hustling and mm-hmm. you know just you know, talking to people. And, um, so yeah, I think we have like 900 mentors. So I think I've talked to at least 700 of them.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. I, we, yeah, we have 60 ambassadors of, and they're amazing people all across the country Mm -hmm. and, um, and supporting and developing personal relationships with each of them is a mm-hmm. lot. I can't imagine 900. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, like we
2: have lead mentors, so they manage most of the mentors after I interview them, but still we have, I think we have 64 lead mentors right now. So I am definitely talking to them, mm-hmm. you know, all the time, trying to build that relationship with them, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of talking. So, which is awesome
0: when you love what you're talking about. I mean, it's that's not true. too hard. So that's very true. <laughs> yep. um, where do you, does Mayfly have a presence, like a social media presence that people can follow? Yeah, we're on Facebook and
2: Instagram. Um, yeah, so those two are our main platforms, and Jess and I are terrible at it. Like we're trying to get better at it, but uh, <laughs> we. Um, yeah we had we just had a f- big fly fishing tournament across the country so that was really cool we did have a lot of engagement social media of different companies and stuff so um, the next person we hire will definitely be someone social media because Jess and I are it's not our favorite thing like we we love it it's it's brought the mayfa project to where it's at honestly just like Facebook and you know Instagram everyone's like hey we saw you on Facebook so it's super important it's just Jess and I are like you know I'm almost 40 like it's not my favorite thing so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but it's important
0: it's been an amazing tool I feel like that's an interesting thing um and I would love to do some research to see how pervasive it is because you get all of these people who prefer to be outside in nature <laughs> like looking yes. at animals and suddenly are like no post on Instagram it's yeah. just just doesn't work yeah it's so true I
2: know. Yeah. And some people are just so good at it now. It's like, it's a whole new world. Like <laughs> it's pretty funny. So I try to do most of the Facebook stuff and just is way better at Instagram. So we kind of like tag team it and we do have some other um, volunteers that are way better at it. So they've been doing a lot more. So that's good.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right. So I do want to ask you about some of your own fate. Fa- that word is sticking. It must be Friday. <laughs> Your own favorite memories from on the water.
2: Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Which ones do I pick? Right? <laughs>
0: um,
2: I think, like, some of my favorite memories is just taking my kids. I know this sounds, like, super cliche, but... Um, taking, I used to take my kids when they were super little and it was just like, it sounds like super romantic and beautiful, but it was like, so chaotic. Like it's just like, um, just even just like you know, kids in diapers, like trying to remember all the snacks, like bringing everybody there. Like it seems like super impossible when you even think about doing it. And then, um, I, you know, we lived in Boise when my kids were little and it would get so hot in the summer. And like, I, I really fly fished a lot when I lived in Boise, just cause I, we were so, um, my kids were little. And so I'd be home with my kids all week, um, working from home with my kids. And then, uh, the weekends I'd be just gone, like fly fishing. Like I'm like, see ya, like husband's here. I got to get out of here. And, so I fished a ton but um, we would take our kids on the weekends too and it was always chaotic getting there but once we'd find like that perfect stretch of water you know that's got like sand for the little kids to play in and then like you know a nice riffle with a pool that we could swim in and um, so we'd search like all over for this perfect stretch of water where like we could take turns fishing and stuff and once we found that magical stretch like it was like the best time ever like I just have so many amazing memories of like a kid in a backpack and then another one like playing in the the sand and another one, you know, swimming with dad and I'm fishing. And, you know, it just feels like you've conquered the world when you're actually like fly fishing as a mom with three kids, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, So yeah, I think those early moments were super fun. And, and obviously not like my kids are um, 13, uh, 11 and nine. So they're at an awesome age too. Like they don't always love going to the river at first. They're like, no, we don't want to go. And then once we get out there, like they never want to leave. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I think I've burned them out a little bit on, fi- on fly fishing, but I think they'll come around.
0: <laughs> I feel like the typical pattern is that they'll, they'll stick with it till maybe like sophomore in high school, and then it'll fade away until after college. And then they will come back to it and be so grateful that it's a part of their life.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for that's what I'm yep. hoping for I'm also trying to get my youngest to be a, p- a pilot so he can fly me around when I'm when I'm older to like different places to fish so well played mom <laughs> nice job that's perfect that's, that's a great plan uh, they're so fun though but yeah it's so many good memories like you know just fishing and I and will fish I fish year-round too in North Idaho and I love fishing in like snow and stuff. Like it's just so peaceful. And um, one of my girlfriends here, Danielle, we we try to go at least every couple weeks through the winter, um, just to get out there. And it's so quiet. Like all the tourists are gone, and it's nice and like you know peaceful. There's hardly anyone out there. And um, so I think winter is actually one of my favorite times yeah. to fish, even though you don't catch as many, but it's more challenging, it's quieter. And it's also like, so awesome to get a break to, you know, with school and all that.
0: So do you do mostly, uh, I, I'm making assumptions based on what you're talking and want to check them. Are you mostly doing shore fishing or do you do float fishing?
2: Yeah, we do float fishing. Um, I don't have a raft yet, but, um, that's my goal. That's my five year goal is to get a raft and learn how to row it. Cause I'm not, I'm slowly learning when I can get friends to take me and teach me. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's definitely my goal. Um, but I do love to wade just cause I like to have some control of like, you know, walking, just walking in a river. Like, I feel like that's my favorite thing to do is just walk a river. So mm-hmm. I like both though. Nice.
0: What about, okay. do you fish in, in Missoula? Do you, have you, yeah. Russia? Yeah, so I started fishing um, when I moved to Montana, which uh, was in 2009. Um, I started fly fishing right away, but uh, but not full steam. Like it was just something that I would do a couple weekends every summer. And so it took a really long time for me to gain any sort of efficiency um, <laughs> and aptitude for it. So even though I've been fly fishing for, over 10 years now, I'm still, uh, I still consider myself a beginner, um, but definitely, I uh, yeah, I think when you talk about the mental health benefits of fly fishing in and of itself um, and kind of the rhythm of it and the attention that you have to give to the cast itself and like, I think anybody who's spent any time on the water fly fishing has been in that zone Um And, and it's a place that I crave now, um, Mm -hmm. and the older I get and the more stressed things, stressed out things are, it's, it's like, just want to lose myself on the river for an hour. Um, -hmm. uh, and the meditation, the meditative aspects of that are, are amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. so I've been doing it a lot more in the last four years, I think. Yeah.
2: Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. There's, I feel like nowadays there's so many amazing like educational opportunities too, for women, like with Heather Hudson, United Women on the Fly mm-hmm. and like, you know, all these amazing ladies like Jen Ripple with Dun Magazine. And mm-hmm. there's so many awesome women that have make it made it easier for other women to get out there. Cause I know like when I first started in Idaho, I didn't know really anyone that fly fish so I was just like kind of out there and I felt like an imposter because I was like I don't know what I'm doing here and (laughs) so um but when you get to see other you know meet other women that fly fish too and you're like hey let's go and it just makes it more fun I think to have somebody to go with and encourage you to go so yeah I love that yeah Missoula's an awesome place to live.
0: Oh, it's so there's so much water here. It's yeah. just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And the um the rivers are just starting to get um at at a flow that's a wonderful flow to mm-hmm. fish. Mhm. It is so clearly Friday and my sentence structure is struggling <laughs> because of it. Um, it's been a long week, but yes, yeah. uh, the the flows are great right now um, and getting better every day. So um, it's going to be a good we- weekend to be on the water. Yes,
2: it's the best time of year for sure.
0: Um, let's transition to hits and misses so this is our weekly closer the question is what have you been aiming for and how did it go you can do either hits or misses or both totally up to you um but sarah do you want to kick us off hits and misses
1: sure so i will uh keep it fishing related and i aimed for a wonderful evening of fishing last night to de-stress i tried going running after work and was just (laughs) it didn't it didn't do any de-stressing for me so i was like well I'm gonna go fishing. It was just kind of an unpleasant run, but <laughs> decided I would pack up my stuff. Just I'd have access to a really nice stream near my house, maybe like 10 minutes away. So drove out there. As soon as I got out in the truck, I was immediately formed by sable flies and oh. was like, Well, maybe they'll just disappear. No, it was it was pretty miserable. I endured it for oh. about 15 minutes, got a few casts in, um, no bites or anything so I just had to call it quits right away or right away but yeah I I had good intentions of enjoying an evening of fishing
0: (laughs) unfortunately a miss for me
1: until the flies go away
0: I'm sorry to hear that I remember those flies in the upper peninsula and they are no joke they're just no joke and they're unpleasant
1: they're awful
0: that's so rude of them to do that I know (laughs) How dare they invade my space? Okay. <laughs> how long do you expect them to like how long does it last?
1: I honestly don't know. I can't imagine I don't recall them being around too much in August. So Okay.
0: In August?
2: It's, That's it's a long ways away. Soon. I know. <laughs> that's terrible you need to get some sort of a mesh outfit or something so you can go yeah. you know yeah. just some sort of
1: it would definitely be worth it i just couldn't keep them away from my dog mostly so she won't, oh, right. won't yeah. be able to go with me in that case yeah she just gets Aww. chewed up real bad
0: poor timber that's no fun no. i wonder did you listen to our podcast with bb about the amber rose um, as mosquito repellent
1: yes and i saw the post about that as well i'm super curious
0: I wonder if it works against flies and if it's safe for dogs. <laughs> those, are my, yeah, those are my questions. I
1: am willing to look into it.
0: Okay. And maybe some goggles? For, yeah. For Timber? <laughs> I think we could make this work. <laughs> That'd be adorable. <laughs> She's pretty
1: tolerant. I, I bet she would allow me to do that for her. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, keep us posted. Send pictures. <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, Caitlin, what have you been aiming for and how did it go? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, Well, we were aiming, so Jess actually came up and fished uh, last weekend up here, him and his wife. And um, so we had this trip planned for like the last year and he tore his ACL and MCL. And so he had surgery like four weeks before he came to Idaho. And so we were like, oh man, I don't know if we're going to be able to fish or what. And so we, I was aiming for like an amazing fishing time. Like I studied, like I figured out where were the best access points. And so we ended up just like uh, carrying him in (laughs) some place. Races, like out to the river like um you know he had we had to move like super slow and um he had his brace on and you know we didn't know how it would go or like is this even possible and um but he ended up catching like I don't even know probably like a 100 beautiful cutthroat and like we mm-hmm. we just had an awesome time and um, he didn't get in trouble with his physical therapist good. and went back. So that was good. Um, so yeah, so we, we hit it like we aimed and we hit it. So we were really glad. Um, cause I, you know, obviously our plans had to change, but it was pretty, I was really glad to just be able to get him out on a river. Cause like when you're, you know, it's finally good fishing time and he had his knee torn, you know, he's pretty bummed cause it's like the yeah. best time of the year. And to to be told that you're not able to fish is like the worst thing in the world. So, um, it was really awesome to be able to just see him out there on the river having a good time. So
0: That's super cool. And good <laughs> was, for you guys for helping make it happen.
2: We have some pretty funny pictures of me like trying to carry him across the river. it's and... <laughs> awesome.
0: Because, yeah, I, I had the same surgery um, a few years ago. And, yeah, that was like the first thing my physical therapist said to me was stay off the rocks. Do not do it. Um, yeah. So cheers for you guys t- for making it happen in a safe way. <laughs> Yeah, we did it. We made it. <laughs> nice. Um well, I'll keep my fishing related as well. And this is this isn't this is a this is a future hit is what I'm calling it. Um and so I'll give you guys an update after it actually happens. But as I was saying, like my cast isn't a pretty cast. I've like you know slowly learned how to fish over the last 10 years um and I'm largely self-taught and it just doesn't come naturally to me. Like I can repeat in my head, you know, 10 and two, keep the wrist straight, elbow in. Like I can repeat all of the things mm-hmm. to myself a million times, but it just hasn't sunk in. So I set up um, a day on the river with Shalon Hastings, who is local here in um, Helena, Montana, and she owns Flyfisher Adventures, which is both a guide company and a, um, educational company and she uh, specializes in taking women out on the river um, and teaching them how to fly fish so I set up a day on the river with shalon and some friends of mine and I'm actually going to have somebody try and instruct my, me on on improving my cast so I'm looking forward to that
2: oh awesome that's it yeah. that's you won't regret that it's such a good feeling when you feel confident in your cast you know and it just mm-hmm. takes practice so that's yeah. awesome
0: yeah I'm looking forward to that <laughs> Good luck, Shalon. I'm a challenge. I'll admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Teachers make the worst students. No, I I'll be good. Uh, okay. Um, and actually, before we head out, there is one more thing I wanted to mention to our listeners. Um, if you're new to fly fishing or if you're a fly fisher, um, and interested in kicking your knowledge up a notch we are doing a fly fishing tactic series this summer um, this is a six-week event connecting anglers to a nationwide community of women and a group of Artemis experts who will be there to answer your questions and talk about tactics and techniques of fly fishing um, and along with it like our turkey tactic series we have a fly fishing tactics toolbox that includes an Artemis kula cloth Ooh, do you have a mayfly kula cloth not yet. I think I'll, yeah, I'll talk to you later about that. Google <laughs> are the best. Um, has a selection of Orbis flies chosen by our very own Maggie Human. It has a fish pond peopod, which is a micro trash collector, so you can take that leader and tip it out of the river with you um, it has real leaders and it has Loon outdoors who caitlin you mentioned earlier um, they're a great company they donated aqua Aqua floatant and rogue zingers to the fly machine mm-hmm. tactics toolbox um, and and a lot more so if you're interested in signing up for that um, and ordering a toolbox go to artemis.nwf.org Uh, and you can click straight to the registration page. It's going to be fun. Our first event is June 30th, um, and like our Turkey Tactics, if you can't make the actual event times, um, they are recorded, so you can go back and watch them on your own time. So please go check that out. It's going to be a good time.
2: That's an awesome resource. I love it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm it's selfish 100 percent of the way to be like, what do I want to learn? I want to learn yeah. about turkey hunting and fly fishing. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Great. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Um, Kalen, I will thank definitely you.
1: be participating.
0: Excellent. Ooh, Sarah, I feel like you could probably be one of our experts.
1: I would not say I'm an expert. I've been. I've only been fly fishing for three years. I've been. Okay. You know, spin uh, casting for. You know, as soon as I could function in that way when I was little, but um, yeah,
0: I don't I'm know, snagging what? the
1: fly from tree branches around me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's what I do most of the time. Um, <laughs> cool, uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. It was it was great to talk with you and to hear all about the Mayfly Project. Um, you guys do such good work, uh, and I'm grateful for you joining us to to spread information about it.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you guys do too. And just encouraging other women to get out there in the outdoors and super important mission as well. So thank you for yeah, inviting me. I had a blast.
0: My pleasure. Um, we'll be in touch. Sounds great. Have a good rest of your. Have a good weekend. You too. Uh, <laughs> and to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week on the Artemis podcast. We hope you're having a great week until next time. Be bold, stay curious and get outside.